This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopo is with me as always. And as the days continue to flip, we're getting closer and closer to a new decade in 2020. So Eric and I had this idea, you know what, we we should go back over this entire decade and let's discuss all decade type topics for the Oregon football program. Eric did a couple stories of this earlier uh, ahead of this past season. Uh, and so we're going to revisit Eric's all decade defensive team. We've already done the all decade offensive team. And, and we've noted in that one that there was going to be some changes that needed to be made uh, because of, some guys elevating their play. Does that happen for the defensive side of the football? Uh, after we've seen the complete year of, uh, 2019 and, and now have the full scope of the all decade team defensively. Uh, Eric, I, I, I think starting up front along the defensive line, this is one that honestly, like, I, I have a hard time picking my options because Divorce Buckner is the, by far, in a way, the number one option for a defensive lineman. But then, I mean, you could make an, an argument that Eric Armstead, Alex Barducci, and Taylor Hart should have made the first team. You could argue, uh, maybe even, uh, a guy like Austin Folio should, should, should make the discussion point. I, I don't know. Your, your defensive line all decade team has DeForest Buckner at defensive end, nose tackle with Jordan Scott, defensive end Brandon Bear, edge rusher Deion Jordan. Um, I don't have an issue with Deion Jordan, don't have an issue with DeForest Buckner. I think you could sell me on Jordan Scott, but Brandon Bear, I'd love to know what you did to, to place Brandon Bear, uh, who played for Oregon in, from in just one year in the decade, 2010, uh, over a guy like Aaron Armstead or over a guy like Alex Balducci, uh, Taylor Hart, or maybe even Ricky Hamuli. You know, it was, it was a tough one. Uh, and, and I think it was probably of, of the, of the, of the picks on her. It's the one with the least confidence. And, and I did consider the totality of the, the career. Um, and so I, I did consider like the 2008 and nine season as well. Um, it was the closest ranking. Uh, I was. It was actually. You, you can pull up the individual position ranking. I actually finished with a tie between Brandon Bear and Eric Armstead, and, and Taylor Hart was one point back. And I, if, you, if you're un, if you're uncertain on kind of what the how I put this together, I, I ranked each player on three different uh, uh, kind of like attributes: individual success, I guess metrics would be a better word, individual success, team success, and then just the eyeball test. Um, and so uh, that was the way I went about doing it, and. Armstead over Bear, it was tough. Um, ultimately, uh, I went with Bear just because I, I didn't think Armstead's collegiate career was quite as good in terms of the statistics. If you met, if you're if you're going all the way through the career, um, I obviously went with Armstead on the eyeball test because physically he was a tremendous tremendous part of of that team. So 
it, it was difficult. It's not, it's not the one I probably have like the strongest defense for. I would totally be up for uh, alternative people being thrown in there. And, and I think, you know, our Armstead certainly has the better pro career, but I think people forget that like as a collegiate player, he was, he wasn't that great. I mean, you know, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he won after his junior season, but his statistics were never quite on par with some of these other guys, which is why I put him behind uh, the group again. I had a number two on the eyeball test behind Buckner um, and ahead of Bear, but in terms of of where I had him individual success, I had him fifth out of five defensive ends I considered. So, um, again, understood that that one probably was going to be met with some resistance. And then in terms of, like, uh, Jordan Scott at, at nose tackle, uh, I, I think the way he's performed over his four-year career, and, and, and I guess it's not even close to being done yet, but, like, I, I think he's quietly had a really, really good career. And, um, you know, I know it, it was it was one that was also sort of tough to make a decision on, but uh, I, I think he continues to get better and better as his career goes on. I know the statistics are sometimes sort of, like, misleading, if you will, but part of the issue here was there just weren't that many true defensive tackles or nose tackles to consider. Early only came down to Scott, Balducci, and Wade Kalakipi, I went with Scott first, and Balducci was really close. It was one point, uh, one point differentiation between Scott, Balducci, and Kelly Keepy on my list. All right, up front in the middle of uh, the defense, you've got your linebackers. Uh, Troy Dye, first-team player, 2016 to present. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 player in 2017-2018. We're waiting uh, on the all all conference teams for 2019. He will be on that list. Career total has almost 400 yards total tackles, or 400 yards, has almost 400 total tackles to his name, uh, with a bowl game to play. Other linebackers on the group, Casey Matthews, who played from Oregon from 2007 to 2010. Um, I guess you're going to include your edge rusher, Deion Jordan. Is that right? Is that, are you counting him as a linebacker? Yeah, it was kind of the concept was I was trying to find a way to sort of mimic what Avalos was doing defensively. So it's it's kind of set up like it's a, a three three five where you've got your sure. three defensive yeah, and then an edge rusher being one of those those kind of standing. Kenny Rowe, kind of, Josh Cadu, yeah. Kiko Alonso, um, being the second team group. Um, Kenny Rowe and Casey Matthews played just one year uh, for Oregon in the in this past decade. So I I think I wouldn't probably put them there. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, it's, it's difficult because of the time, um, but looking at this group, maybe a Tyson Coleman um, on that group as well, uh, Kadu and Alonzo, I, I would probably put those two guys as uh, ahead of uh, Casey Matthews, um, but I think all in all, pretty pretty stout. Troy Dye, is he, is he the best linebacker Oregon's ever had this decade? Yeah, I think I think so. You know, and, and again, if you're, and I guess it kind of depends on how we're looking at this. If we're looking at any player that played in the decade, but looking at the whole career, or if we're looking at it as players just only using the statistics from this decade. And if that's the case, I don't think there's any question that that Troy Dye is the number one guy this decade. I mean, he played all four years in the 2010s, and again, statistically, you know, there was a case that he was going uh, to catch Tom Graham to be the all-time tackles leader in program history this season, and you know he. Senior year was probably his worst season, at least from a statistical perspective. Um, and so he's not going to get there. But you're still looking at a guy who's had, like you said, about 400 career tackles. And the impact he has had throughout his career, I think he's going to go down as somebody who, 
10 years from now, we're looking back and we're probably talking about him as one of the best linebackers to ever do it at Oregon, period. Um, you know, and he, he, there are some very capable players in the discussion, certainly, but I think Troy Dye, I know he's somebody that's really appreciated, you know, by current fans, but I think you're going to, the further away we get from his career, and I know there's some tough seasons where the team wasn't very good, but if you just look at what he was doing on an individual perspective, like, he had an awesome career at Oregon, and, you know, and he's still got one more game left, um, you know, the Rose Bowl, but... Like he's somebody that like I really think his stats and kind of the way he played throughout his career, the the the, the impact he had, not even you know statistically, but just his impact as a player. I think that's going to go down as one of the more impactful defensive players in a very long time. And I think if you were doing like an all century thing and you're starting in 2000 and just working your way through to current, I think he'd probably be on that team too. You know, just given how he's performed. All right, now let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Austin Audible's podcast with Matt Preem, Eric Scopel. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel here. Um, we're debating the all-decade team for Oregon. Uh, we will have a, these stories linked into the um, the podcast story where you you, know, you go to the front page, click on the podcast. We'll have these decade teams linked. And now this is the this is the spot, Eric. I've been waiting for for the defense because I think. Between the first and the second team groups, you could have a ton of debate here. Um, your yeah. first team all decade includes, as your nickel corner, Troy Hill, who played for Oregon from 2010 to 2014. Uh, a cornerback, Ifo Ekbre Olamu, from 2011 to 2014. Another corner in Cliff Harris, who played for the Ducks from 2009 to 2011. Safety, John Boyette, 2008 to 2012. And then safety, Eddie Pleasant, who played from Oregon from 2007 to 2011. And your second team, your nickel, you have Talmadge Jackson, 2007 to 2010. Terrence Mitchell, 2010 to 2013. Thomas Graham, who's a current player on this group. Eric Dargan, who's played from Oregon from 2010 to 2014. And then Brian Jackson, who played at Oregon from 2009 to 2013. Right away, my first question, does Thomas Graham deserve to be in the first team? Oh, he's going to have to displace a really good player. Troy like, Hill, Ifo, Ekbre, Olamu, or Cliff Harris? Yeah, he's not going to displace Ifo. I don't think there's any question. No. Uh, first team All-American for two years, was a third team All-American uh, another season, uh, first team All-American for three years. You know, you, you know, one of the fun things about looking through this was remembering that Oregon had Troy Hill, Ifo Ekbre, Olamu, and Terrence Mitchell all on the same team at corner. 
Like, <laughs> that is a wealth <laughs> pretty of... Pretty darn good. Uh, that's pretty darn good. That's three NFL corners there, and two of them are still playing at a high level. Ifo obviously struggled with um, some unfortunate injuries that kind of derailed his professional career, but um, you're not moving Ifo off the list. You could probably make a pretty strong case, though, um, that if you wanted to put him over like a Cliff Harris from a career perspective, maybe you'd have a strong argument there. I think the hard thing is that Cliff Harris's ceiling, you know, he had, um, he had the best single season, you know, of any of these guys. That 2010 season, you go back and look at the numbers, he was absolutely a, a stud that year. First team All-American that year. Uh, he had like six picks. He had multiple punt return touchdowns. He, I think he set the single season pass deflection record that season as well. Um, He's, he, you know, and, and of course he's a cautionary tale with what happened after Oregon, but his talent was so just devastatingly evident um, that, I don't know, I'd probably have a hard time putting Graham in, on over him because I think, uh, you know, kind of, the unfortunate thing is the two best corners that Oregon has had this decade didn't have professional careers, so you kind of forget how dominant those guys were, but I would have no issue at all putting Thomas Graham over a Troy Hill for that nickel spot if you wanted to go that direction in terms of, like, uh, I think Graham... This year has had a tremendous season. I think uh, he is on par with kind of what Hill did throughout his career. Um, and, and you know, and I think I think I think Graham is is, is you know I know it's probably again I don't think he displaces the other two guys, but he he deserves some recognition for what he's done over the course of his career. I mean, he was a true true freshman. He was starting a couple of years ago. He's continued to just get better and better. And I think he's second bit, on the team this year in tackles. Yeah, he is the active part of this defense and. Again, like, yeah, I think you could make a very strong case he deserves to be the nickel corner on this team, and you'd, you'd bump Troy Hill down a spot. And the other thing I think is, I know it's only two seasons, but I think Javon Holland, yeah, the interceptions in two seasons, he deserves a little consideration whether you want to put him at nickel or safety, considering he's played both. Um, he's another guy who I didn't consider here because, again, when I did this article, he only played one season. But if I were to do this again, he would have, I think, a lot of consideration for either being on the first team at one of those spots or at least being on the second team. Uh, just from a standpoint of interceptions, um, Thomas Graham has seven interceptions in his career so far. Uh, he's a guy I think that's going to crack into, if he comes back for his senior year, he'll crack into the top ten for career interceptions with, you know, right now there's four guys tied, uh, for tenth with twelve. I think he can get there with, with another season of football if he chooses to come back. That's going to be the key one there. He's got 31 pass breakups. A lot of teams tested him as a sophomore. 18 times he broke up a pass, just nine times this year. But that's because I think a lot of teams really shied away from going at him and really picked on uh, or tried to pick on a Diomede Lenore or, or Javon Holland. But you're right with, with Javon Holland. He, he was a freshman All-American uh, by 24-7 Sports in 2018. He had... 42 tackles. He had five interceptions that season, uh, which is ironically enough is weird because they only went for eight yards. Uh, he had six passes defended. And then this year, you know, 58 total tackles. He, I think he started in every single game. He has four interceptions. Uh, he has a touchdown. He's now added to the fact that he can return punts and kickoffs. Uh, he has 240 yards returning on punts. Um, no touchdowns, but 240 yards on 15 returns is pretty darn good. Uh, I almost want to know, Eric, does, does Holland have a chance to crack into the first team all decade team? I mean, John Boyette was a second team all American in 2010, uh, and he was a, fir- he was a first team freshman all American in 2011, second team all Pac-12 player 2009, 
2011, first team all Pac-12 player in 2010. People don't really realize how good John Boyette was. Yeah. Uh, and, and the crazy thing is, is his career ended early. In 2012, his senior year, he, he had to stop playing because of injuries. Eddie Pleasant, though, I think that's where you might put Holland. Um, he was just a first team all Pac-12 player in 2011. He had 196 tackles, 20 pass deflections, four interceptions. And his senior year, he moved from safety to linebacker. So I think, you know, that's something you also have to consider. So maybe Javon Holland should be, uh, number one all decade state, one of the safeties players. I, I don't have a huge argument there. And to me, you can put, you could put Javon probably at safety or nickel considering he's basically played this, right. this whole season at the nickel spot. And, you know, a guy on who, who, who I don't even have listed is an Ugo Amadi, and I'm looking at him thinking, like, that's a guy who also deserves um, a little bit more. Some appreciation. recognition. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, and even, like, a, I know he doesn't get a lot of talk in general, but, like, a Nick Pickett has had three really good seasons at Oregon, I think pretty quietly. He's kind of going to have to at least be by the time he finishes his career, certainly in the same discussion as a Pleasant and an uh, Eric Dargan and a Brian Jackson. I don't think he's going to get to the level of, of John Boyette. Um, I would even say, like, Brady Breeze this season has had a really good season. I don't know if he's ever going to make it on the all-decade team because he hardly played his first couple of years. But if he goes out as a senior and, and has a really strong season, um, he's somebody that's going to be talked about, at least in the same discussion as, as some of these guys, if he, if, you know, if he ends up holding on the, the starting job the way he kind of picked up at the end of the season here. But uh, back to the Javon point. Yeah, I think Holland can certainly has a case to be above Troy Hill or Eddie Pleasant here. And I think the fun thing about the, the secondary, and you're right, this is probably the most – you know, the most up for grabs in terms of the discussion is there's just a lot of guys. Um, you know, we're talking about the defensive line, and I was, you know, struggling to find multiple nose tackles that were, you know, candidates. And, you know, some, you know, one of the edge spots, you know, you have a guy like Brandon Bear or Eric Armstead on there. There's not a whole lot of depth behind them. That's not the case in the secondary. I mean, you could run through a ton of guys. We haven't even mentioned Diomede Lenore, who's a two-year starter. I was just going to bring up him. Does he deserve yeah. to be, like, a wait-and-see-what-happens? Because maybe he moves – you know, how he plays next year as a senior, does that kind of put him into the top, you know, six or seven spots of this group? I mean, it's hard because I think, I really do think the top of the, the, defensively at least, outside of Buckner, you just look at those corners and man, it's hard to move Cliff Harris or Ufo off the top. But I definitely think there's some, some possible discussion here with a Troy Hill or a Tom Udge Jackson or a Terrence Mitchell. You know, I think Thomas Graham, you know, his contemporary, I think I give Graham the edge over Lenore probably over the course of their career just because 